But it's so funny and it's so poignant too as the as the show goes on. It really starts to talk about, you know, why do we make the choices that we make and and what leads us here and if we did have practice, would anything change? This podcast contains explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Thundercast. My name is Christian. My name is Lucas. My name is John. And I'm Liam another podcast that just talks about movies that's right and today we are coming to you live from the castle caster youtube channel <laughs> uh we just got out we just got out of it but we're back in i say that because we did a video on a live stream for lucas's channel down there on monday night so you're seeing this on friday so you're five days late for that but oops how dare you oh well it's not that big of a, a shock. People are late to these videos all the time, including us. And uh, <laughs> we are sponsored by our patrons, and every single one of you will get a shout-out at the end of the show. Um, we are doing the usual gambit where we are going to be talking about the things that we've seen over the past Yay! little while. Isn't that fun? Um, so who would like to go first? Hmm. Lucas, you made, first, yeah, you made an I audible made sound. sound. I made an audible <laughs> sound. So I guess I will go first. All right, the first thing I'm going to talk about is uh, I have been more or less, I have, I'm not fully caught up, uh, but I've been keeping up with The Mandalorian uh, because it is a show that I want to be good so badly. And it's so often so close. <laughs> yeah. There's there's a lot of a lot of really cool stuff in it. I think a lot of the ideas they have for stories are really cool, but there is not a single character on that show. They're all just either the gruff cowboy or the wacky sidekick. Yeah. There's, Lucas, there's not a single still, person. You're still holding on. It's time to let <laughs> Star Wars go. No. <laughs> uh but uh yeah I, I've been I've been keeping up with it. There's been some pretty solid episodes aside from the characters being pretty boring. Uh, they're they're getting into some cool stuff. They're really they're really diving into like the Mandalorian culture or the or the, the Death Watch cult, uh, as as it is sort of in the show, uh, which I think is uh, really interesting. Since I, I had a phase as a teenager where I was obsessed with Mandalorians, uh, as you may have guessed, uh, it's very obvious. I was very nerdy as a kid and probably still am. What? But, <laughs> what? Stalker. Uh, I thought those books were we... just for show. <laughs> <laughs> so, has Star Wars ever really been actually nerd? Um, I mean, to the to the depths that I was in, uh, yes. Uh, to keep in mind, Mandalorians were not a thing in the movies until fairly until the prequels, and I knew what a Mandalorian was before the prequels came out. Uh, <laughs> you knew what oh, Mandalorians shit. were when you were six. That's impressive. Oh, yeah. Shit. Yes. I'm not even kidding. I, me, me, well, I had, and in kindergarten, I had a, a like one friend, and we would talk about Star Wars all day, and he taught me about Mandalorians. <laughs> yeah, because all right, that tracks. Because I was gonna say yeah. like, how? Like you were reading the expanded lore books when you were when... <laughs> well, my, no, my, my, fr my friend got me into them. Yeah. Yeah, like it's, it's clearly very important to you. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was I was talking to a friend recently about the Mandalorian, and what we kind of landed on was like, because like season I so I'm not watching any of season three. Uh, season one was like fine for some some of it, and it's like it was cool because it was this like gritty Western version of Star Wars, which was like kind of episodic, like week to week different stories. But then it became uh, the greater universe, putting in Luke Skywalker and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it did both of those things poorly. Mm -hmm. 
just I I yeah, can't much. fucking stand that show. <laughs> <laughs> they don't I mean, not try at all. It also looks unbelievably cheap. Like I'm so sick of the volume technology just looking like fucking holodecks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't really see that personally. I think it looks more or less fine. But uh, I kind of see where you come from there. You can you can tell that it's like a, it, it's a little bit jarring sometimes for sure. Hmm. But uh, season three so far has had the least of like outside of the Mandalorian sort of uh, world uh, characters popping in. Like you have Bo Katan, and you have some characters from uh, previous seasons. But like, there's no Luke Skywalker. There's no Ahsoka Tano. There's no like. Uh, so far, very early in the season. I think I've watched like five episodes or something like that. Um, and yeah, I'm, I have a love-hate relationship with that show because I love the idea of it. Uh, I have a childhood attachment to the idea of Mandalorians. Uh, and his armor's really cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, I don't know, I rec- at Star Wars Celebration over the weekend, uh, I doubt it's actually going to come out, come out, but they... Mostly because for this re- because of this reason, they announced the most interesting sounding Star Wars premise I've heard in years. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. James Mangold announced he's uh, uh was it, he's currently collaborating with Disney about uh doing as he describes it almost like a biblical epic telling of uh like the, the story of the first Jedi like pre old Republic. Ooh, literal that's space Jesus, neat. literal space yeah. Jesus. Again, again, cool. I doubt it's gonna, I'm doubt it's gonna get made because, well, James mm-hmm. Mangold's a good filmmaker and his premise actually sounds interesting. <laughs> they can't oh. let that happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've I've seen some stuff here and there. I've I've only seen the first season personally because <clears throat> it just didn't grab me Not the way that it did. For, there's it. Pardon? Not even season two. Like, nah, nah I couldn't get into it. I, towards the end of season one, I was so over it. And then I was like, fuck it. I'm done with Star Wars now. And then I haven't watched a, a Star Wars thing since, I think. Watch yeah, I was, Andor. Just watch Andor. I, I, was about, I was about to say, like, uh, I, I was, like, very much, I'm like, I'm done with Star Wars. Uh, and then uh, I heard some really, really good things about Andor. So I watched Andor. I'm like, shit, I love Star Wars again. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> okay, so maybe I I'll watch it. I watched one episode of Andor, but I fell asleep, not because I wasn't enjoying it. Uh, what is it? But just because it was late and I was tired. Yeah. Yeah. Um, though also, whenever I hear people talk really good things about Star Wars, I never trust it because it's the same principle of Marvel where everything is the best thing ever until it's not. Well, no, that's the <laughs> thing. Always that, like, just in the same place. With Star Wars, at least, they, they were like, they, it was clear that we didn't deserve things like The Last Jedi because of the reaction to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but people love Andor, and also it's really good. And it's kind of an anomaly, but just watch, just watch, just watch. Yeah, it. it's, I mean, it's, it's honestly really solid. I, I, I was, I, I also watched Andor. Look at that. Uh, <laughs> good, good transition. Um, uh, but yeah, that's all I have to say about the Mandalorian, really, because that's I, there's not a whole lot to be said about it, except for uh, my toxic relationship with it. So, did you watch the newest episode with Jack Black in it? I haven't watched that one yet. Get out of here. Jack Black's in Star Wars now. What the? And he's fuck? And, and he's, he's gonna be the goofy sidekick. And if the clips that I've seen, that's what he's doing. And Lizzo, yeah, Lizzo's yeah. also there. It's like Lizzo and Jack. Lizzo. Black. Yeah, they and they like are the king and queen of a planet or something. And it's like Lizzo and Jack Black. Like, <laughs> is it just because they're both heavy? Like, yeah. I don't, I don't get it. And <clears throat> but uh, Lizzo's basically like, let me see the baby. 
and then uh, they, they, uh, Grogu no one just in that, fucking yeah. jumps into her arms, and then she carries him around for the rest of the episode. No, I, I, I think they should ban that phrase from that show because no one can top Werner Herzog's delivery of that line. I would like to see the baby. <laughs> no, no, no. You. I would like to see the baby. Yeah. <laughs> so good. That's, um, that's the best thing that's come out of Star Wars in the last 30 years, is that <laughs> delivery. I would, <laughs> I would agree with that. Did any of you guys see the Ahsoka trailer? No, I did. I did. Yeah. Um, no, they're 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 bringing back the rebels characters, but in live action. Yeah, yeah like, the why? rebels characters where to which all of them suck except for one person. At least that's still alive. But one other guy who didn't suck as those characters is dead. Yeah. Oh, and, and in, in one of the Mandalorian episodes, they actually brought back a, a, a rebels character very briefly. Steve Bloom's character. Oh. Huh. Oh yes. Yeah. I was gonna ask like uh, yeah because I know. I was going to ask if they brought back um, Space Aladdin, but I was like, no, I think that might be a little too early. No, he's... The... And the whole point, at the end of it, spoilers for Rebels, the mediocre uh, kid Star Wars cartoon. Uh, uh, at the end of Rebels, Space Aladdin, I can't re I can't even remember the character's name, Ezra, I think, maybe? Uh, he, he goes missing at the end of the uh, series after, like, some hyperspace shenanigans getting rid of Admiral Thrawn. But uh, that, that's, the, that's the thing about the Ahsoka show, is they're going to find him. And, but they're transitioning from an uh, animated to live action, and I don't know why they're doing that. Are the voice uh, actors playing the the people? I uh, doubt it. Mary Elizabeth Winstead is playing um, Hera. Um, oh, okay. That's kind of cool. What do you call it? Uh, uh, Hot Topic Mandalorian is played by uh, some actor I've never heard of. Mm -hmm. And I think Steve Bloom is voicing his annoying character again. Mm. Voicing, but not live. Like, not, well, not he's, live. He's, he's like an alien. It's like, oh, okay. it's like this big he's like this big cat man um okay that's easy yeah but yeah i'm not interested in the ahsoka uh show even though i, I ahsoka tano is one of my favorite star wars characters uh but like they're they're they got rosario dawson to play her mm -hmm. and i'm i'm just i'm not big on rosario dawson personally she's like fine but like and the way they the way they wrote her in the mandalorian they just took away all personality which is all the spunk all the uh yeah like every uh, what is it? It's just like uh, I like Rosario Dawson. I like Rosario Dawson as an actor, but it's one of those things where I'm like, you just turned Ahsoka into every other uh, shitty generic Star Wars character. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, oh yeah, enough about Star Wars. Liam. Yes. <laughs> no more Star Wars because I find start talking about Star Wars to be an astonishing waste of my time. Well, then <laughs> it's up to you to take us in a different direction, Liam. All right. Uh. Just one I'll talk about because I know I'm probably the only person on this show who or on this show who saw it. Uh, I went to go see uh, Creed three. Mm -hmm. mm. Um, to give some background, uh, I've uh, I grew up with the Rocky movies. Like my dad and my grandpa showed them to me, and uh, Creed is some uh, was has kind of been the spinoff series that has uh, is better than it has any right to be whatsoever. Like, because when I heard Creed was being made, I was like, do we really need another uh, delve into, like, the Rocky world or whatnot? But the first one was ac is actually a pretty outstanding movie. It's uh, directed by Ryan... That one's directed by Ryan Coogler. And the whole premise of these things is that it follows... Uh, uh, was it Apollo Creed's uh, illegitimate son? Who uh, starts to uh, follow down his... Who starts to decide he wants to become a boxer like him and tracks down Rocky. And uh, starts to train. And it's a class... It's another... It's an interesting spin on the underdog story. Right, because it's basically um, like, just you... Rocky, right? But 
not really like uh he starts to uh he gives up like a pretty su- a potentially really successful life to get into boxing hmm. which is one of the more uh interesting things the first creed movie did and then uh each movie has been uh the second one wasn't as good as the uh, was it as uh creed one but it's still good is that still and right this one, one? Is that still Ryan Coogler? No, but he wrote no, it. No, it's uh, directed by a different guy. Ryan Coogler still has a writer's credit, though. Okay. And this third one is Michael B. Jordan's directorial debut. Um, Once again, it's it's still good, but it's still kind of like we're kind of just declining in quality. But I think that's also what happens when you make a very, very, very good first one. That's like, how do you just keep doing that again? Right. It's the what I've come to call the Jurassic Park problem. You make a very, very good first movie, and then it's like, like There's you want to direction. Why, yep, you want to know why the Dark Knight was able, the Dark Knight was able to be an outstanding sequel, because Batman Begins was just good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but no, uh, overall, it's uh, uh, what is it? It's uh, I'll say right. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Michael B. Jordan directs this pretty competently for a first time effort. Oh, I. He's clearly a lot more comfortable directing action scenes than he is directing people talk or people talking to each other. Like, he does not do that as well as when he does, like, the spectacle or, like, the intense boxing scenes. Part of it is because for the whole movie, he uses a multi-camera setup. And it's just kind of jarring the way it goes between people in uh, dialogue scenes, but it works really well for fights. Mm. Yeah, I would agree Um, with that. Yeah, he... uh, um, one cool thing he does with the fights is that it's very clear he's inspired by shonen anime. So, like, he shoots the fights absolutely insane. Like, uh, it's actually, uh, like, they're not as, uh, what is it? They're still pretty aggressive, but they're a lot more stylized than the other Rocky movies, which was kind of cool to see. Um, and, uh, another thing I'll give this is that I was scared that, uh, it was gonna feel awkward without, uh, Stallone's presence. As uh, he uh, infamously uh, refused to be a part of this one because he disagreed with the uh, direction the story was going and he had a feud with one of the producers. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, uh, they uh, was they kind of address where he's at, but they don't. Uh, but his uh, pre- he's not missed if that were if that makes sense. Yeah, it's almost like they like sent wor- him off in the last one, and then we don't really need you anymore, Rocky. Yeah, like, it is a shame what happened between uh, Stallone and the producers, given that uh, he did create that character, and he wrote Rocky when he was, like, living in his car. Like, the story of, the underdog story of Rocky was Stallone's story, so just to see something very personal to him like that being taken away is kind of a shame. Mm-hmm. But we're at a point now um, where it's not his, it's not his franchise anymore, right? Yeah, I think also why it's just, is because in the first Creed... Stallone, uh, he got nominated for it, but he gives a genuinely, like, Oscar-worthy performance. Mm-hmm. Like, when he did that performance, I was like, okay, now you can stop accepting shitty B-grade action movie scripts and start looking at things like this. Um, but no, uh, overall, uh, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was pretty good. Um, it's, uh, just like, I'm, I'm curious or concerned as to how the franchise is gonna go from here. Yeah, because I know they're going to make another couple. There's no way in hell they're not. Yeah, and uh, I fit wish, and I just hope Michael B. Jordan takes some notes on uh, directing more emotional drama scenes. Yeah, um, even go direct something that's not 
a Creed movie or a Rocky movie. Yeah. Though also he did put a pretty large undertaking on himself this time because he decided to shoot sequences in IMAX for his first movie. Right. The fucking bold move. Very bold move. Which, by the way, I did see in an IMAX and it was pretty cool. Yeah. I bet. Cool. Is Um, that that Creed? Yeah, that was Creed 3. Yeah. Pretty good. Nice. Um, so I, uh, just finished watching the rehearsal, John, as I knew based purely off of your recommendation. Uh, that's Nathan Fielder's show on HBO. It, uh, is only, I didn't realize it was only six episodes. I thought it was longer, Mm -hmm. uh, but the six episodes vary in length as they do on HBO, which I just love. Just, you don't need to just, if the first episode needs to be an hour, great. Second one doesn't need to be an hour. They don't all need to be an hour. I love it. I love that format. Um, but the rehearsal, do you do you two know what it is? No. No? Uh, so Nathan Fielder is a comedian uh, from, from Canada. He used to be on This Hour. I was 22 minutes. Nathan Fielder also had a show called Nathan For You. And in, show. In, oh, it's an awesome show. It ran for three seasons, and the whole premise of Nathan For You is that he goes and helps small businesses. But he does so in very ridiculous, obscene ways. Like the what is it, the first episode? Is it uh, they they make it? Yeah, the very first episode of Nathan for you. They he goes to a yogurt place and suggests a new flavor for them, and that's poo, <laughs> just to like try and get people in the door. And it's stupid. It's silly. But there's another episode later on where he's trying to help a company sell toys. And he does so by getting a Santa to come in in the middle of July and into this, like, toy store. And kids come up to see Santa, and he's they tell him what he what they want. And Santa's like, no, 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 you want this toy. Like, you want the, and the, the toy that he's selling with this company. And it's like, and if you don't want this toy, then you're a baby. Or you don't want to be a baby, do you? Like, the, this is a Santa Claus basically calling this child a loser because he doesn't want this toy. <laughs> like, how traumatic is it? It's so fucked up. But the fact that he did that, like Nathan Fielder set that whole thing up with children, plays into the rehearsal. Because the, the premise of the rehearsal is Nathan wants to help people um, rehearse sit, social situations over and over and over again so that when they go into those social situations, they are prepared and they're ready. That's the first episode. The first episode is very much that. It's a guy who wants to admit to somebody on his uh, trivia team that he doesn't have a bachelor's degree. So Nathan builds a bar. He builds a exact replica of the bar that he's going to be doing this, this conversation with in a warehouse in New York City. And I mean an exact replica down to everything. It's wild. And then he gets this guy to come in and they rehearse it like, hundreds and hundreds of times um they got an actor they got an actor playing his friend who he's who he's confiding in like they they hire an actor to like yeah to to uh copy her mannerisms and just kind of act the way that she might act yeah and then he builds like you know dialogue trees so he'll be like okay if she says this then you need to say this if she says this then you say this and it just follows this thing and that's the first episode and it's wild it is it is a crazy piece of television and then the rest of the season because it did it did get renewed it's getting another season is that it covers nathan trying to help a woman who one day wants to have kids so she's going to um 
you know, practice being a mother. And he does this by setting up this super wild system because child actors can only work for a certain amount of time every day, right? We all know this. So babies are even less. Babies are like four hours. So what he does is he like builds this staircase into a door or sorry, into a window to swap the baby out every four hours. And then when nighttime comes, he replaces it with a robot baby and all this stuff just to kind of give this woman the experience of being a mother. The, the, the problem is with this woman is that she's a fucking nutbag. Like she is insane. And I say that because she's like a religious fundamentalist and does not believe in like any other religion other than Christianity. And that's how she wants to raise her kid. And there's all this other stuff going on with her um, where she wants to like have a have a husband. And so she ends up going on these dates with this guy who then uh, ends up like coming to the house to sleep over for one night. But they sleep in separate rooms or whatever. And then he's totally not fucking into it. So he just leaves. And then Nathan decides, fine, I'm in. So he, like, decides to co-parent this fake child with this woman. It's a, it's, And it's all just fabricated, trying to set Nathan up for, like, fatherhood, basically, is what it ends up becoming. And some of the, some of the scenes and some of the moments are bafflingly ridiculous. And they're so funny. But... So, on the inverse is when they're so funny, they're also really powerful. And like, there's this one scene in a later episode where Nathan, uh, he leaves, he goes down to LA to like set up a acting school, right? It's called like the Nathan Fielder method. And he's there for like a couple weeks. And so when he comes back, um, I forgot to mention they, the they age up the kid every couple days. So, like, he starts off as a baby and then becomes a three-year-old and then a six-year-old and then nine, so on and so forth. So Nathan leaves, and when he comes back, his kid's 14. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, what the hell? And so he tries to get this kid to, like, pretend that he's mad at Nathan for leaving him for nine years (laughs) or whatever. And then at the end of the episode, Nathan fakes an OD with this kid makes the kid go into an ambulance leave run away from the ambulance go off and hang out with his friends and nathan shows up at the uh the playground to like reprimand his son or whatever and not reprimand him but just like get him back and this 14 year old kid's like drinking a 40 and he gets up and he goes down a slide and then they cut they go to the bottom of the slide and a six-year-old pops out (laughs) I'm gonna try again. <laughs> I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try over. Right. I'm gonna do a do over. <laughs> and it's a very that's a very nice scene because you see this, you know, and then oh okay, I kind of see what you're going with this. And then they then they just flash to the other side with the other camera, and it's this 14 year old kid struggling to get out of the fucking slide. <laughs> and then he stands up and he just looks around. and He goes, "Is that it?" And then it cuts to black. And I was like, "Okay, this is the best show." But it's so funny and it's so poignant too. As the as the show goes on, it really starts to talk about you know why do we make the choices that we make and and what leads us here and if we did have practice, would anything change, you know? And then it ends up really f- um, unfolding where Nathan is just trying to be a better person and he wishes he could have practiced all these things that he did in his life, but you don't get to. 
you don't get to do that. So why not try it? You know, anyway, so there's, so what's, what's very unique about Nathan Fielder and there's some other people that do this too in television series, but like with Nathan for you and the rehearsal, they just, they just bring in regular people. And I do, I do not believe that the show is staged in any capacity. I've talked to people who are like, no, I think most of it is like hired actors and it's like, it plays as if it's staged, but like they just bring in real people that are absolutely ridiculous and they just allow them to be. Yeah. And Nathan feels just, he's, he's a complete blank slate of a person to begin with. And so he just stands there and listens to them fucking diatribe about nonsense. And he's like, okay, okay. And just, it's, it's baffling to see what, like who exists in, in, in this world. And it's something that I have never seen played out like this before and it's it's gorgeous and it's hilarious i love it so much it's a great show i'm, I'm a big fan and i cannot wait to see what he does with the next season um i feel like it this one was about like life and fatherhood and everything and i hope the next season's maybe about death or something like maybe he fakes his own death and then uh is trying to like rehearse how his funeral or something that's a suggestion nathan fielder if you're watching this you aren't um, that's a suggestion for you. If you were to actually die, I wouldn't believe it. Like, no. I'd be like, <laughs> no, me neither. Anyway, uh, I really enjoyed it, and it is probably one of my favorite shows of all time now. Um, it's oh, up there. It was a brief, brief, brief tangent before we move on. Uh, piggybacking off of something John said there. I haven't seen the show, but I like how you uh, – this always makes me laugh when this happens where you you said like they bring in real people not actors uh implying the truth that actors aren't people yeah Uh, (laughs) (laughs) it's true (laughs) oh i love that (laughs) i just whenever i see a commercial where it's like real people not actors (laughs) yeah very funny actors aren't people (laughs) all right john all right john um, so one of the few things that I have ingested, um, was John Wick three, John Wick chapter three, Parabellum. Um, I have watched these movies with big, big gaps of time between them. So I saw John Wick two, maybe like a year ago, and I've seen the first one a couple times. So I know it a little bit better. All this is to say, I don't ever understand what's going on in these movies they're talking about stuff and i'm like i think i'm just missing it but then it doesn't matter like it's just (laughs) it's gorgeous gorgeous set pieces and i've i i know that um it's more or less like the the sentiments are echoed that like the third one is like kind of the weakest one but just just barely because it's it's still such a fun movie to see the the knife fight sequence is my favorite one unbelievable um it's just it's just so wonderful and i i personally am a very squeamish individual so when watching movies i can't really stand that kind of stuff and so i was i believe a great audience member in terms of being very vocal alone in my apartment here um, just kind of yelling about the way that he kills people and he stabs a guy in the eye. That was horrible to watch. 
Um, he throws an axe at the dude. That was sick. There's dogs that just go and fuck people up. It's so fun. Um, he's on a horse. He's on a horse and he kicks people <laughs> with the horse. I have nothing of, of substance to say about this movie. Um, Keanu Reeves is a national treasure. Uh, it was nice to see Lance Riddick get uh, get some time to to have some to some actually act in stuff. the John Wick yeah. movies. <laughs> yeah, really? yeah. Uh, acting. I mean, doing well, doing an action scene. Yeah. An act action scene. Um, and may he rest. R.I.P. Lance Riddick. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Um, and it was just, it was really fun. Uh, also, um, shout out to one of my favorite moments when he's doing the, like, uh, samurai sword, uh, motorcycle chase and he like cuts the guy's arm and again, it like goes back into the wheel of the motorcycle and he just like flips. That was dope. The movie's so dope. He falls off a building <laughs> at the end and I was like, yeah. and that's something that I have, I, I watched this because I heard the John Wick four. I don't know. Uh, um, we might we might talk about it, yeah. Yeah, go, yeah. I'm that was gonna be what I was still gonna talk about next. Right. I love when we get ahead of ourselves. Um, and, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So knowing that that movie uh, is like really fun, and I wanted to watch it in theaters. I just kind of hopped on and watched John Wick three, and so obviously he falls off the building. And I'm like, this guy ain't dead, but like, who cares? And then oh, like uh, Lawrence Fishburne, so sick in it, and at the very <laughs> end, it's just like, are you pissed, John? Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh my god, it's so dope. Oh my god. <laughs> Honest, honestly, him just saying yeah at the end, I think is one of my favorite John Wick movie moments just because I'm like, just after how much the high table is dicked this dicked and screwed this guy around, I'm like, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'd be pissed off too. I love how like uh, J- John's uh recommendations or like the things you talk about are often so very like highbrow and artsy and stuff like that. And then suddenly you're John Wick like, this is dope, this is awesome. And you just turn into like this dude, bro. It was great. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's like <laughs> a child. Like, uh, what yeah. is it? It was like for years, it was like pulling teeth trying to get John to watch John Wick. Uh, because he'd be like, why do we make action movies? Like, uh, why can't we just tell a story? Like, it honestly <laughs> you used can to be do like, both. like, just watch the damn movie. You can do you can both. Do both. You can do both, and you can prioritize one over the other. And I am, I am more partial towards uh, a nice, clean narrative that just. Well, kind of I, mean, I mean, uh, I mean, I mean, friends. I like. <laughs> hey, this is just the Liam Liam shitting on John show. <laughs> yeah, that, that's hi, a, that's a new Liam. podcast. We get. We yeah, hi, welcome. Hi, welcome to Liam's uh, shit talking show. Yeah. Oh um, my god, that was a good good poll, Liam. That was very yeah. funny. Because <laughs> John had shows on the Thunder Lizard channel. And yeah, yeah. Bleh. Very good. <laughs> I don't want to explain it. It's a funny joke for us. Anyway, yeah. uh, uh, Lucas, go ahead. Hello. Uh, I'm going to talk uh, talk about, we're going to touch on a little bit of something we talked about in uh, the the live stream we did on Castlecaster. I'm sorry, uh, not, I gotta cut not, you off because it, it sounded mm-hmm. like at first you said I'm gonna talk about orgasms, and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we gotta talk about orgasms. No. <laughs> Next up on Lucas's no. orgasm show. No. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. That's my, that's on my OnlyFans. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm gonna talk a little bit about uh, Legend of Vox Machina, and that is not uh, necessarily directly what we talked about on 
uh, on the Castlecaster live stream. What we talked about was we talked a little bit about translating D and a D and D campaign into a show or a movie, and that's exactly what Legend of Vox Machina is. It's a it's a D and D campaign that was live streamed that is translated into an animated series. And uh, I talked a little bit. I talked about the first half of the second season last on the last episode. So I'm going to talk about the second half of the second season. It improved so much. The the first half of the second season was kind of like meh. It had some cool moments, but like it was very uneven and kind of rushed. But the second half of the season, uh, they improved so much. So there's there's some of the best moments from the campaign that are in there. But more importantly, they made huge changes to the story from the campaign to the animated series, which is something I was frustrated with the first half that it was it was staying too close and just like packing like like 20 hours of content content into 20 minutes and it was it was very frustrating that they were just very way too darling about everything that was happening but they they diverged from that they made some major changes in the narrative and improved the show so much they strengthened a lot of character arcs they make they made a lot of characters like way better way more interesting than they are in the campaign uh and uh there's 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 this really really cool fight scene where Vox Machina is a, a, part, a party of adventures uh are fighting this like herd of bandits or the horde of bandits, I should say, and like uh, the bard is like playing like a, like a a metal song throughout the fight, and it's just so sick. <laughs> <laughs> dude, bro, Lucas, now. Yeah, exactly. There's 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 a moment where a dude gets his arm like severed, basically, but it's hanging there, and he's like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna use it as a weapon." He just rips his arm off and starts hitting people with it. <laughs> it's great. It's 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 so much fun. And uh, there's a really cool, there's a good dragon fight. Uh, there's some really good moments where some characters that were very, very fairly flat in the campaign get a lot of development. Uh, and it's it's a fascinating show to watch. One because I am I, I do enjoy Critical Role, uh, and two it's it, it's just a fascinating sort of uh, thought experiment to see something like like a D and D campaign get translated into an animated series. Yeah, and where where it goes wrong and where it goes right. And it's it, it's it's really really interesting to be honest. If if that's kind of the thing you're into, which is I am. <laughs> and season two is done. Season two is done now, yeah. yeah. Uh, they they released three episodes uh, uh, a week for four weeks or something like that. Okay. Uh, and they've already greenlit uh, campaign, or season three, which I'm, I'm looking forward to. And they also uh, green greenlit a new series based on uh, Critical Role's second campaign. So they're uh, they're they're making a whole new thing, and apparently they're making a movie with Amazon now. They have a whole they have a whole production deal with Amazon, which is which is wild. That's really cool. Good uh, for them. It's 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 fascinating. But yeah, they're gonna make so much they're, fucking for, money. <laughs> for context, John, Critical Role is I don't know if you know what that is, but it's right. a yeah, it, it, it's a group of voice actors who live stream their D and D game. Basically, uh, it, it started out just as but they're just at a table playing D and D. Now it's a whole production. They've been doing it for almost ten years now. Uh, and they they make millions upon millions of dollars doing it. So <laughs> good for them. So give them more money for doing the same thing, but in exactly. animation. Yeah, and it's really cool. Is that selling out, Liam? <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Uh, Especially if you're working for Amazon, that's an immediate sellout. I don't. I don't know if I agree. Anyway, I don't really believe in selling out. But anyway, uh, that's a conversation for another time. Get your bag. Uh, Get your bag. <laughs> but uh. Yeah, that's that's more or less what I had to say about it. The the, the animation in, in at points is beautiful. Uh, the, unsurprisingly, the voice acting is really good. They're all professional voice actors, uh, and uh, I I really respect how they made a lot of they made some really drastic changes to the campaign and like kind of stopped. They 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 killed their darlings, and I'm like, good job, good. guys. Yes. <laughs> anyway, that's it. 
Awesome. Liam. All right. So, uh, Christian, uh, uh, and a few other people and I all went to go see John Wick chapter four. I'm not going to be around the bush. This is the best sequel they've made. It is. Oh, wow. Um, undoubtedly. In fact, uh, it's up there close with the first one on, uh, be possibly being the best John Wick movie. Cause I've always stood by the first one is very much the best. And then it had two very good sequels. This one is on a whole other level. Um, like it goes without saying that, uh, like as always, they amp up like the stunt work and like the kind of set pieces they could do. There were time. Let me use an analogy. So in the first uh, John Wick, they talk about how John was given an impossible task, a job no one could have pulled off, and that he somehow accomplished. That happens like twice in this movie with what they put together. There's uh, one sequence in the, when I even looked at Christian the theater, I was like, how the fuck did they do that? How did they block it? How did they stage it? How did they shoot it without... Essentially, it start. there's a whole fight, so... Uh, what is it? There's an extended fight scene uh, towards the end where it's literally John making his way through a building. It starts with him going up a staircase and he takes out some guys. Then it turns into like a ceiling view staring down at everyone while he's like, while they're shooting at him with fucking dragon's breath. So he's like going around and while he's shooting, they're like catching on fire. And then he like goes into another room as the camera goes over into that. And it goes, he goes through like five different rooms taking guys out. I'm like, how did you do that? It's fascinating. How? It's a fascinating piece of, of media. It's, it, there's multiple scenes in, in John Wick 4 that are just alone for how they were directed and like the stunt work that would have had to go, go into it. Just outrageous. There, there's a bit, what is it? Not the, what's that arc in France? The Lac de Arc? Or, yeah. I'm not sure. The the big arch what? thing? I don't know. It's, I don't know, actually. The big fan. John knows what I'm talking about. You big, know what we're talking about. I can picture it. It's not the Eiffel Tower. It's the other thing they're known for. Anyway, uh, and, and no, not fries. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say croissants. Uh, <laughs> that was a stupid fucking joke. Okay. Uh, no, it's, uh, but it's a big, like, uh, circle, you know, um, uh, Roundabout. The whole road surrounding it is a is a roundabout <clears throat> circle. Yeah, and the car mm-hmm. and they're fighting while cars are driving around them, and John Wick is like driving one of the cars with a with a door off, shooting a gun, uh, all this stuff. Keanu Reeves actually did that stunt too. He, apparently, he got so good at driving that the even the stunt guy was just like, Keanu, you gotta like tone it down. <laughs> like like you, you don't you don't have to go this hard. It's a movie, and he's like, yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> they, uh, but there's another bro- scene. Sorry, Liam. There's another sequence uh, with them fighting on on stairs, which I don't want to ruin any of it. But it is massive. There, there's a part where I literally gasped in my, or almost shrieked in my seat, like, oh! "Yeah, no, John." <laughs> like, uh, John, um, John Tasker wishes that Liam reacted that way to him sometimes. Like, <laughs> no, oh, John. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Liam, go on. Um, there's uh, what? It, um, but I was gonna say, uh, as always, they bring in like a great supporting cast to like uh, balance out the equation. Like, uh, yeah, they bring in uh, Hirosuke Sanada, um, Clancy Brown's there. Uh, Donnie Yen does what he does best, playing a blind assassin. Um, and he's not just a rip. It's not just a repeat of his performance in Rogue One. No. Like Donnie Yen actually brings a lot to uh, the performance that uh, he's given to do. 
Uh, you have uh, Bill Skarsgård kind of doing this ridiculous Fred Jack set as the villain. Awesome. It's weird. Um, <laughs> and it's ve- it's very bad, but you want to keep watching it. <laughs> like his accent, <laughs> not the has, movie, his accent. There's also um, a lot of... Uh, I was at this one is probably they kind of I keep thinking they keep getting better as they go. This one is another great example of genre blending, like how it works in like uh they work in like a theme, obviously like the neo noir like action stuff. But there's also like kind of an espionage type thing going on. There's a um uh fuck what do you call it a um I just I just had it. There's like this weird mythology build, building stuff they're doing like with uh religious allegory that's really cool. Uh, yeah. Um no, they just uh like also it has one probably the best and I uh, was one of the most fitting endings I've seen to uh I was it I've seen to something in a while. Uh, I can't say enough good things. It's the best sequel they've done. Um Oh, also there's uh this one guy in this who I had never seen anything before, but I thought he was great. Uh, Mr. Uh, was it Mr. Nobody? I think he's called. That's yeah. Or it's a cool play. It's a cool play on the idea of an assassin or opportunist. You know, like the mercenary type who uh will do work for whoever gets paid the most. This guy is a little different, where he kind of allies and helps John Wick out until he's given an offer that's high enough to try and kill John Wick. Yeah. So it's, he's it's like pretty great. He's like thirty million, not enough, and then he just keeps helping him kill people, and then. 40 million yeah all right i'll do it (laughs) (laughs) yeah no it's uh uh what is it it was an experience to say the least yeah it's a great film i i do suggest it it is long but it eats up every single one of those minutes um lucas i know you're not a big fan of the first two right yeah i i watched the first one and i didn't really care for it i like appreciated it on like a technical level uh but like i i, I just couldn't find anything to care about to be perfectly yeah. honest uh and the second one i don't remember a single second of it I, I know i watched it but i don't remember anything the third one is my least favorite but the second one is definitely not the best um at least in terms of just like world building and everything it it mm-hmm. tries way too fucking hard to world 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 build um but that's pretty much all john wick the John Wick franchise is is just letting you in on little bits and pieces as the story goes on, and you're just John supposed Wick to is, accept it. <laughs> like, all right, John cool. Wick is also probably the best comic book franchise not based on a comic book. <laughs> it, 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 I can, I can see like that. A, that. That's a great way of describing it. It looks like a comic book. It's structured kind of like a comic book. Like it feels like those. Uh, was it? It even feels like some of those uh, mangas that I used to read when I was in high school. No. And there's even like some. Uh, references for people who uh, watch anime or whatnot cool it's a good film i really enjoyed it yeah should i should i give john wick another shot yes 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 Uh, (laughs) i don't know Uh, stoic uh, stoic characters aren't interesting generally not yeah it's true (laughs) i watched all all four of them in a week um i had seen the first three obviously uh, previously but i wanted to watch them all and you know i wanted tanya to see them too um, because we were all gonna go, so I was like, "You gotta kind of, you have to watch these to understand literally anything that's going on." Um, but yeah, we watched the first two or the first three in the in a week, and then we went and saw the fourth one. Um, I forgot where I was going with this. Anyway, I watched them. Like them, they're good. They're good. 
Good movies. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what I was saying. Anyway, um, thanks, Liam. Uh, I don't know if I brought this up on the last show. I don't think I did because I, I don't think I watched them yet. Um, I watched uh, all four of the Hunger Games movies recently. Um, and I'm going to be real quick. You live tweeted it on the group yeah. chat. I basically yeah. live tweeted it in our, in our group chat. Having said that, it was like 11 o'clock at night, way too late for me to be watching these fucking movies. I think it was even later. And I had had a couple beers, and I, I don't know. Those movies are great. <laughs> They're so fun. The first one is, is definitely the worst. The first one is the worst one, uh, with a very close second being Catching Fire Part 1. Um, or not Catching Fire. Yeah, wait. Mockingjay Part Mockingjay. 1. Yeah. Catch, I think Catching Fire is probably the best one, in my opinion. Catch, uh, Catching Fire is Easily. the best one. Having said that, there is a lot of stuff in Mockingjay Part 2 that fucking rules. It rips. True. <laughs> it rips Honestly, so I think hard. Catching Fire, Catching Fire is the only Hunger Games movie I think I genuinely really like. Uh, the first one or the second one? Oh, sorry, just Catch, Catching, Catching Fire, Fire yeah. is Catching Fire. Yes. The, the the names are confusing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No. Um. But the yeah. first one, the first one pisses me off on a directing level. There's some and, very uh, strange choices in that one. It's all yeah, and it's all shaky cam. It's really annoying. Even when people are just walking. Yeah, and it looks like that the whole time. <laughs> it's also just kind of hard for me to get into uh, the Hunger Games movies as. To be honest, I think the main characters are really stupid, and I think the world is kind of stupid. Yeah. I mean, Katniss, yeah. Katniss isn't a great, is not a good uh, uh, role model for anyone because I just don't she's think literally Katniss just being is a very good. Go ahead. I just don't think Katniss in general is a very good, strong female character. Yeah, she just gets told to do stuff, and then she does it. That's it. And yeah, it's whole, I, I, until I the say, and it's, very end when she decides. Yeah, I was about to say in in the, like the last movie and a bit in the second, like she she very much pushes against that, and that the combination of her character is like making her own choice. Yeah, but right. even at the end There's, of of Catching Fire, when she goes to join like the revolution or whatever, even then, like Julianne Moore is just like, "You're our Mockingjay," and she's like, "All right, fine." No, yeah, but that that what I'm saying is that that part of it is part of her character arc where she's just constantly being told what to do. She has no agency, and then she finally uh she actually achieves agency through her like more or less final act in the movie yeah uh for, i don't know if the, do we care about spoilers for these old ass movies uh, these old ass <laughs> movies that uh people only care about because only have to briefly decided they care about again no i think we're good because they're on netflix okay. they're leaving yeah. netflix and but... i like them uh, <laughs> Me too. But yeah, where, where she chooses to kill Coin instead of Snow. Yeah. Uh, that, I think that's like sort of the point of her character, at least in the last couple of movies, is she has no agency and she has a moment where she she seizes it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. She but. she takes it and she definitely takes the shot literally. Um. And so and then everything is not everything is better because that's impossible in a world like that. But things are starting to get better in that world, mm -hmm. and it's because of of the actions that her Peta and like. You know, everybody else had done. Um, but, yeah, Peta is the fucking worst throughout all of those <laughs> movies. He's just useless. True. So True. the problem with the, both Katniss and Peta is Katniss represents a lot of things I hate about writing strong female characters, which is just make them really brash and temperamental. Mm -hmm. I can't or like Yeah, just that, like that's definitely like a, a very, very common trope. Bordering to a point where I'm like, it feels like I'm just... Uh, 
watching uh, a was a watching men. Like yeah. it doesn't feel like it just feels like it's you know what I mean? And yeah, Peter's yeah. and Peter's of uh is uh the typical YA incel uh type character. Yeah, pretty much. Anyway, yeah. I love those movies. I think uh what's the guy's name who made the the last three? Francis uh, Lawrence. Uh, yeah. Francis Lawrence, yeah. That guy he was made for those fucking movies. Jesus <laughs> Christ. And they're doing the the fifth one, um, which is actually a prequel. And uh, oh, is it the John Snow one? Uh, yeah, yeah, it follows President Snow. Um, did, you say, did you say John Snow? I did say, you John, said John Snow. <laughs> <laughs> talking about oh, John Wick. Oh man, they, well, the thing is, they're actually talking about making a John Snow show that takes place after season of Game of Thrones, which is a deeply stupid idea. But we're not talking about that. No. So I was going to say with Hunger Games, I was actually. It's funny it came up because I was talking with somebody about it at work. There's part of me that thinks I would have found these movies more interesting if it just if they just followed Woody and it's the same with the books if they followed Woody Harrelson's character and just <laughs> dealing with the af, dealing with the aftermath of um of like a traumatic event like that like being forced mm. to go fight for your country like that. I mean, we'll see. We'll see how uh, the prequel does, and it, I could see them doing like a mini series following Haymitch. I don't see why not. Oh, um, sorry. That's uh, one last thing I'm gonna say about the Hunger Games and part of why I have trouble getting into it. Everybody, and this is, sorry, this is a trend that was also born out of the uh, YA craze. Everybody has fucking stupid names. <laughs> that is true. Katniss not Everton. Peter. Not, yeah, not Peter. Pita. No, I, I, Fred. Gale. Yeah. <laughs> Gale. Uh, I, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm being, being like a person who reads a lot of sci-fi and fantasy, I was pretty desensitized to that. So that, that felt very normal to me. <laughs> yeah, but those all sound stupid. I've like, I like sci-fi where you have names like, uh, what is it? Soul Tensor or uh, Jericho <laughs> Kane. Like that sounds more, that makes more sense to me. Those are fucking dumb as shit. Okay. (laughs) They sound more hard, they sound more hard-boiled sci-fi as opposed to, oh, uh, what's, uh, PETA? Yeah, he works in a bakery. Yeah, let's call him bad. I never put that together. PETA makes PETAs. Okay. Anyway, uh, yeah, I love the Hunger Games movies. I'm not not afraid to I'm on the same, I'm on the same page. Uh, I don't know if I love them, but I unironically really like them. Yeah. I, I told you guys, there's that scene at the end of Mockingjay Part 2 when they're walking into Snoke's, or Snoke, fuck, when they're walking into, <laughs> into Snow's uh, uh, palace or whatever, and, and it's Katniss and whatever the fuck that guy's name is, and they're, like, walking in, and it's just the most tense, brutally, like, anxiety-inducing scene of the whole franchise. Oh, like the when they're when they're trying to break Pete out? Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. no, 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 no. It's when, uh, it's when like the resistance ends up bombing the capital. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That one yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. At the end, mm-hmm. um, and it's just, just to prove, th- and they make they stage it to make it look like President Snow is the one that did it, but it was actually mm-hmm. the resistance killing all those people. Um, shows you, you know, power struggle. Yeah. Anyway, I love it. It's great, great movie, great franchise. Can't wait for the fifth one. Um, John, go ahead. Uh, we'll do after so one more after this so john you okay. get two more and then it, lucas liam me we get one and then you know that's does, does that make sense does everybody understand yeah. what it's yeah no yeah yeah <laughs> that's because i i, I started so john Joe's the last one the rotation yeah. is yeah. yes i we know how math works yes. yeah i don't one more I rotation after john go ahead john okay. this one's gonna be pretty quick because i only watched half of it and that is the life aquatic um i that's what it's called right correct yes yep I called the whole Life Aquatic with Steve Caesar. 
Um, yeah, I, so I, I had had eye surgery uh, like a couple weeks ago and then I tried to watch a movie and then I was like, this hurts me. So I, I stopped. Um, that being said, it was a very enjoyable film up until that point and I have every intention of finishing it. Um, I'm not, I, I, I've not seen many Wes Anderson movies, though the ones that I've seen are like the hard hitters. Um, Grand Budapest Hotel, uh, Fantastic Mr. Fuck. I've not seen Rush. And Moonrise Kingdom is one that I've seen. So I really like his work. And he's always been Wes Anderson. Like, it's just, it's very clearly his style. And it's and it's gorgeous to look at. And his characters are all strange. And he casts the perfect people in them. And, like, there's a lot of this that is not really an exception to that. But this, uh, to me, is the least Wes Anderson, Wes Anderson film that I've seen. In terms of the way that it's, it is shot very um straightforward a lot of the time like it's weird to see he's got like handheld moments over the shoulder kind of things like rather than the very lateral movement which still kind of exists um and it's it's just very fun it's very strange for me to talk about half a movie that i've seen who knows Maybe I'll hate it by the end. <laughs> but I actually, I actually haven't seen Life Aquatic. I've seen a number of other Anderson films, but it's very fun. It follows, um, like I, it's like it sets up a really cool convention where it starts the movie, but it's like him. It's it's Bill Murray as Steve Zissou screening like a documentary that he made, where um, they're trying to find this. I, it probably has a name. Um, this like monster, this sea monster that like kills his friend, um, and then uh, he's he's taking the team to go back to uh, to kind of find it and, and kill it. Um, and Owen Wilson plays his illegitimate son, who just kind of comes on board. He plays a great role, um, and and I, I I'm enjoying it so far. <laughs> it was like a long time ago that I watched the first half. Um, so maybe by, uh, the next episode of the Thundercast, I'll have finished it and I will, uh, <laughs> I will update everyone on act two of the life of <laughs> Wait, if it's halfway, wouldn't this be act two and a half and act three? Oh, sure. Yes. If we're following a proper three act structure, then yes. No, we're, um, we're going, we're going into like typical, uh, musicals and plays where we're just diving into two, into two, two acts. acts. That's it. That's yeah. what you get, Wes. <laughs> Um, yeah. Great. Thanks, John. Ain't no problem. Okay. <laughs> hey, ain't no All right, problem. my turn. Uh, I, I figure since uh, I opened this podcast uh, by wasting Liam's time, I'm going to waste uh, Liam's time some more. <laughs> uh, I'm going to talk... <laughs> And I'm gonna. I, I mentioned I, I I watched Andor, and I haven't talked about Andor uh, very much Lucas, on the podcast. Lucas, when? How many times do I have to tell you guys? Uh-huh. I put very high premium on my time, and I do not <laughs> want to waste waste hours. And that's why I'm just gonna waste it, Liam. I'm sorry. I'm just gonna do it. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Andor. Uh, I was when they first announced Andor. I was deeply, deeply uninterested. Uh, I thought it was a very stupid idea. I didn't really care about. I don't, Rogue One is one of my least favorite Star Wars movies. I, I think it's fairly oh. boring. Oh, okay. Yeah, Gen- genuinely, I <laughs> I know a lot of people really love it, but like I I, I thought it was. I thought for the most part it was very uneven. I thought the plot was just kind of like 
felt very disjointed and janky to me. Uh, I, I did not like it. I didn't really care for Cassian Andor. I, I, it didn't really feel like Star Wars to me. It felt like someone trying to be like, ooh, edgy Star Wars. Uh, and I just, I just, I just did not like it. I, 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 I thought it was fine for the most part, but my, as time went on, I grew to like it less and less. So when I heard about they're doing an Andor series, I'm like, if other people, that's for other people. That's not for me. I'm not going to watch it. Uh, and then, uh, it was released and a couple, uh, over, over like a couple weeks, I just kept hearing like things about it that made me more and more interested. Like, uh, they, like how there are no references to like characters outside of this story. I'm like, oh, that's that's kind of cool, and it, it, it's just a story that doesn't have to, doesn't really have anything to do with uh, the greater Star Wars story. It, it happens in the Star Wars universe, but it's it's its own thing. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then uh, I heard someone talk about how it's it's like very inherently political, and like uh, there, there's like several different arcs. There's like a high arc, and there's like a prison arc. And I'm like, this this is sounding this is sounding better and better. Right. So I'm like, I'll, I will. Yeah. Star Wars story without references, a Star Wars yeah. story that actually owns its political leanings. I'm exactly. shocked I tell you. Shocked. Yeah, I genuinely was. <laughs> but like uh so I eventually caved and I watched it. I knew I, I had already seen a lot of spoilers, so I I didn't I, I knew what was gonna happen going in. But like for the first episode, I was like, that was pretty good. I don't I don't really see what it's like not super living up to the hype for me, but it's pretty cool. And I just kept watching and it just kept getting better and better to like, especially the prison arc. The prison arc is so fucking good. I don't want to, I don't want to spoil too much, but Andy Serkis is in it just as Andy Serkis. Oh, he's cool. not doing, he, nice. yeah, he's, he's not doing, he's not doing mocap. He's just Andy Serkis. And like his character is so fascinating to me. And uh, the, the, the way they talk about like fascism and resisting fascism is like, it, it, it's subtle. It's not like they're not banging you over the head with it. I think they kind of have to do that to get past to, to fool Disney censors. But like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like, it's 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 genuinely interesting and very thoughtful and very nuanced. And I, I did not expect that because that that's I've, not something. Even even the good Star Wars movies are generally not thoughtful and nuanced. Like I've heard uh, uh, that uh, if you're a, what is it? If you're a right, I uh, was watching somebody say. Give, saying if you're a right winger who thinks star wars is too woke and like too antifa he said like uh he said this show is not for you and i have no idea how you're justifying your like for star wars anymore yeah because <laughs> like uh i i think i feel like andor is what the prequels could have been if someone replaced george lucas because uh, okay. like th th there's there's a lot of really interesting stuff in the prequels it's just george lucas was not uh, a good enough writer or director to like pull that off. Isn't that what uh, people say about the Clone Wars? Like the Clone Wars is if the prequels were good. Kind of, yeah. But I mean, I mean, just in in the sense of how inherently political the prequels are, uh, just how just how those themes are not particularly well handled. Uh, polit like uh, the the Clone Wars are not super in like super in that direction, but Andor very much is. It's as explicit about its politics as it can be, being a Disney product. Uh, and it's, uh, on top of that, it, it, it's just very compelling. Uh, Cassian Andor was a character I did not care about in, in Rogue One, but I care very much about in, in Andor. Uh, I, I care very much about his, his, his journey and, uh, he, he's, he's very much a reluctant, uh, hero in this story. It's, it's well, like, I, I liked Cassian in Rogue One. It was just more so of a fact that like everything I liked about him was subtextual. Hmm. Mm -hmm. I thought that maybe they like repeated his arc because I hadn't seen Rogue One in a long time, and I was like, wasn't he the 
wasn't he the reluctant hero, like rebellious hero in that one? But like, no, he's like a a full fledged rebel by the time one rolls around. So Andor is really Mm -hmm. cool to watch. It's also cool to actually like when you call it political, it's like legitimately political, not the way Mm -hmm. that people complain that Star Wars being political, where they're like the characters are all gay. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Like, it's not political in the culture, like, stupid culture war, stu- culture war sense. It's mm-hmm. political in that it discusses politics in detail. And it, it discusses, like, different political ideologies in detail and, like, the dangers of them and the benefits of them. And in a very powerful way, too. Yeah, well, yeah, the exactly. Guy who, uh, the guy who show runs this show is inherently does make more political-driven, like, uh, movies. I was it or spy thrillers. Uh, to- he also doesn't even like Star Wars. Tony Gilroy is the guy who made Bourne. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I'm like mm-hmm. could be. Doesn't maybe- like. Yeah. Yeah, like well, he has he oversaw the reshoots for he got the job because he oversaw the reshoots for uh, Rogue One, or he did when Rogue One went back for reshoots. He uh, wrote a new. I uh, was it he rewrote the whole third act. Um, the best part. And a- yeah, so that's part of how he got the job. Yeah, third act is the best part of Rogue One. I'll agree with that. I'm convinced. I'm gonna watch the <laughs> damn Star Wars. <laughs> and then, and yeah, like I said, I I I I watched it and it reignited that like love of Star Wars in me that had died away. So now I'm watching Mandalorian I, again and it's dying again. So by not being a by not being a Star Wars uh by not being a Star Wars jerk off best. You went into Basically, you yes. went into Star Wars remission and then yeah. your, your your Star Wars came back full full force. I do I do want to say this and this is not uh, just Star Wars but uh, a lot of media and and uh Liam's heard me talk a lot about this and I'll probably talk about it again. Why can't we name things creatively ever they're just gonna call it andor which first yeah, of all it's stupid name. planets like i mm-hmm. forgot that andor was the character's name i thought it was like a place and it's just like fucking t- titles man do mm-hmm. better yeah i agree but yeah that's 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 my uh that's my rant about andor thanks lucas liam You're last welcome. one all right here's one i'll talk about that uh so i want to talk about this one for a few reasons Partially because it's fairly recent, but also because it was weirdly, I uh, was it. I had a weird experience. So I was hanging out with Christian on um on a Saturday, and we were just having a movie day, and we were watching. We did our yearly rewatch of Southland Tales. It's our Easter tradition. Um, then we watched uh, the first Pirates movie. Um, and then Christian's like, "Okay, I got a movie to show you that uh, I think you'd really like," and it's a movie I had never even heard of. Or if I did, I think it was very minimally that I had ever heard about it. And that movie's called uh, Gross Point Blank. Starring uh, John Cusack. And Mini Driver. Yeah, Mini Driver, Dan Aykroyd, and uh, Alan Arkin. So a very 90s cast, a very... And all by all intents and purposes, a pretty 90s movie. Yeah. Um, I'm also going to have you uh, help me out a little bit with this, Christian. Because you prob- you know this movie a lot better than I do. Fairly, Fairly well, yeah. Um, so this movie follows a guy named Martin Blank, who is a, uh, hitman. Where he's like, he's essentially, uh, a discharge. He was, he left the military and, uh, went in for himself. And, uh, then, uh, he starts to become disillusioned with the scene. Start ma- starts making a bunch of mistakes. And, uh, real and on the advice from his, um, his, uh, assistant and his, uh, 
kind of begrudging a therapist. Yeah. Uh, that he should accept an invitation and go back to his high school reunion. And uh, just try to uh, figure out what's making him unhappy and why he's uh, having the problems he's having. Yeah. And then um, all the while being tailed by these two FBI agents uh, who are basically like trying to stop him from killing people or catch him doing yeah. it. Well, because he's also there because uh, otherwise right around the corner from his hometown is a target that uh, he's been uh, or a contract that he's taken. Yeah. Um, there's also like another assassin who's uh, kind of uh, roped into the whole thing. Played by uh, Dan Aykroyd. Um, Dan oh, a I wasn't. Yeah, well, yeah. There's him, but there's also the other guy. Which one? The one at the. Uh, I was the one who he uh, has the whole thing with at the reunion. Oh, in the bathroom or yeah. whatever. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um. But no. Um. I really, really liked it. Um. It's uh interest. I'm shocked I'd never heard of this movie because by all intents and purposes, it hits a lot of my sensibilities. I think mm-hmm. just because it's a it's a rom com, like first and foremost, because uh, basically Minnie Driver and John Cusack <laughs> were high school sweethearts, and they're trying to or they're reigniting their their love. But then you have all this stuff in the background where John Cusack plays a contract killer, and just like it gets pretty violent in some scenes. There's well, a lot the of like that, high like, octane even, action in some some bits. Even it being a rom-com, like, uh, what is it, probably shouldn't have deterred me given I went through a brief rom-com phase. I think I just never came across that one. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but no, um, a few things that, uh, uh, what is it, like, it works, I think it works just as well as a, uh, as an assassin movie as it does a rom, as it does, like, a 90s rom-com. Yeah, I would Oh, it doesn't get in, it doesn't really fall into the whole troubling things you see with a lot of 90s rom-coms. Which, yeah. Which, uh, was kind yeah. of refreshing. Like, it doesn't really fall into the whole stalking portrayed as romance thing. No, she um, thinks he's a total creep, and she wants him to leave him alone. Leave her alone. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no, um... But, like, uh... Uh, was it? It all, it also made me realize how much I fucking miss John Cusack. Yeah. Like, Especially that, always... that John Cusack, too. I mean, like, just, like, whenever... I think it was uh, somebody from Joe Blow who of the Joe Blow podcast who once put it best, which is John Cusack is a man who could work in any genre, but he just always kept getting forced into like those leading man rom com roles. And yeah. I think part of why he doesn't really have as much of a career anymore is because he kind of aged out of that. All that, and also uh, he openly called Hollywood a whorehouse. That um, <laughs> that's just pulling in young actors for typecasting just so they could be used up forced into it and then just completely disregarded if you if you want to read something wild yeah if you want to read something wild read uh john cusack's twitter it's a he's like a very hard lefty uh political commentator now yeah and also like a conspiracy theorist but not for bad conspiracies like ones where he's (laughs) like no they're fucking evil and this is why they're evil Um, he talks constantly about like how fucked the government is with like drone strikes and um um, so, you're saying, so you're saying he's not talking about how they're making the frogs gay? No, he, uh, <laughs> okay. he actually writes regularly now for the Guardian and Huff- Huffington Post. Oh wow! Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, change of careers. I like Gross Point. Uh, it's one of my dad's favorite movies, which is why I know it. Uh, my dad loves John Cusack, and so I I just thought everyone's dad loved John Cusack, so I thought everyone. Well, my dad this. does, and I my da- that's a movie my that never came up. My dad always references like say anything or high fidelity. Right. Um, 
which are also two movies I haven't seen. Maybe I should go down a John Cusack kick. Watch Better Off Dead. It's a good film. I added that to the watch list yesterday, actually. Yeah, it's a good movie. Um, But here's a few fun things about this movie. And part of why, uh, so when Chris and I were watching it, we were a few beers deep. So, and we got a, a little sidetracked. Yeah, we got a little sidetracked. And then the next day, I was like, you know what? I'm actually, I was actually pretty getting pretty into this before we got sidetracked. I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go actually watch it. Um, part of me is scared that this movie is my, is going to be my high school reunion <laughs> minus the hitman shit. Oh, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Le- Le- Liam's just legally obligated to say that so that the FBI didn't come after him. Yeah. The, the, the RCMP isn't going to come after him. Well, well, cause it got, it was it essentially like in the next two years or so, my high school reunion's coming up and, uh, I'm kind of in the same position blanks in that movie where I'd rather go to a fucking funeral than go to that. Um, my high school re- reunion was right in the height of COVID, so Me I too. didn't go. <laughs> yeah. And um, I was there's also the fact that uh, while we were watching, I was like, "Fuck, I dress like this guy. I have a similar cadence to this guy." Um, <laughs> I was, and I've got kind of like that dry, like cynical uh, sense of humor that uh, Blank has. I was like, "Fuck, is this?" I'm like, "There's also uh, wanting to, uh, uh, what is it? Reconcile with a." Uh, uh, was it a curly hair blonde blonde Brit? I was like, fuck. Yeah, I had a weird uh, uh what is it? I had a uh it was a weird it was a trip when I put all of that together. <laughs> Just too relatable. Amazing. Yeah, I'm like, and it's a movie about hitman uh was it about a hitman? <laughs> Liam's like, yeah, just no, like I... me. <laughs> Honestly, it kind of, I think that's part of why we got sidetracked, because that kind of fucked me up a little bit. Yeah. yeah man. Uh, I don't know. I, but we'll see how the next two years go. Fair <laughs> enough. Thanks, Liam. Might, might, might swap careers. Uh, So mine is also going to be pretty short, um, because I fucking hated this goddamn movie. Um, I watched Cocaine Bear. Um. <laughs> I don't recommend it. On, I, I don't recommend I anybody talk watching. about a good movie we watched together. What, Scream? No. Uh, what, Phone Booth? <laughs> I don't know. I thought you were going to talk about something more interesting than Cocaine Bear. Well, I'll talk. I, I, let, <laughs> let me just say I hated Cocaine Bear, and then I'll, I'll, I'll talk about another one that I liked, because I fucking hated Cocaine Bear. It, it, it's edited incredibly poorly. It The structure is so weird. Like, if you're just going to, if you're going to have a movie about a cocaine bear or a bear on cocaine, show the goddamn bear. Show him on cocaine. Don't have him in three fucking scenes. Or her, I guess, because it's a mama bear. And then uh, follow one group of people. One group. I don't need to see eight groups of people navigating through this forest trying to find bricks of cocaine. No. One. Follow one. I get that it's based or inspired by true events and stuff. None of that shit happened. You could re- We could re- write that goddamn movie. But my suggestion is if you were going to make a movie called C- Cocaine Bear... You don't have a CG bear. No. You have a man in a bear suit. I thought you were going to... Real bear. you were going to recommend to just get a bear, get some cocaine, real go bear. Real bear, real cocaine. No, you put a man in a bear suit, and you make him do cocaine. Not, not in real life, <laughs> but in the movie. And everyone... But here's the thing. Everyone in the movie thinks he's a bear. 
They all play it straight. That is, he's a real bear. But it's like a slasher movie, but it's just a dude in a bear suit. That's how I would Well, we talked about this where it's like they don't – I think he like – if he was a real bear and they kind of made it like Wilfred where we see him in a bear costume, but it's like a legitimate bear. Anyway, work. far more than what you watched. <laughs> yeah, I hated it. But I will – okay, well, hated it. That's the end of that. I did, Liam and I watched uh, Phone Booth, uh, the Jerry Bruckheimer – or was it Bruckheimer? No, it's Joel Schumacher. Schumacher. We went over oh. How do you? It's I could. It's easy to confuse. They, like, they have the same amount of syllables. One is a flamboyantly gay man who made uh, movies like The Lost Boys and and ruined Batman, and the other is a uh, explosion man. Schumacher. Hmm. Bruckheimer. Bruckheimer. Yeah. Oh yeah. No Schumacher. Bruckheimer. <laughs> they have, they have very si- similar cadence. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, we watched Phone Booth. And uh, with Colin Farrell, because it came out 20 years ago, and I'd never seen it. It's an 80, 90-minute movie. It's real quick. It's real easy. The basic premise, uh, Colin Farrell is a big piece of shit Wall Street dude who walks into a phone booth to— He's a uh, talent—he's a hotshot talent agent, I think is what he was. Anyway, so he goes into a phone booth to uh, use the phone to call his his, uh, mistress, and then the phone rings, and so he picks it up. And he's being watched by a sniper. Um, and then a bunch of random crazy shit unfolds. And it's so good until the last 10 minutes. It's <laughs> it's a movie that's nail-bitingly tense, very good, and then it shits the bed. It just flops. Um, because nothing comes of it. Like, he... he I'm going to spoil a 20-year-old movie. Um, so Colin Farrell steps out of the booth the entire time he's being told don't do it. Also, the guy on the, the, the other end is played by uh, Keith or Sutherland, um, and he does this kind of voice the whole time, and it's very fucking eerie. Um, but they do this really cool thing where all the like diegetic sound um, is like happening in the movie, but Kiefer Sutherland's voice sounds like it's outside of the movie, like he's watching it with you. It's very neat. Um, but anyway, uh, Colin Farrell walks out of the phone booth. I was being told not to, and then he gets shot and you're like, Oh, okay. Um, but he gets shot by a cop with rubber bullets. Um, so he actually didn't get hurt. And then oh, what? they end up, they end <laughs> the up, fuck? they end up going to go search for the guy, our keeper Sutherland and he gets away. And then, uh, Colin Farrell's just in the, getting wheeled into an ambulance. And then Kiefer Sutherland's character walks over and he's just like, catch you next time or something and then walks away and i was like what the fuck (laughs) you either you either catch the bad guy or kill colin farrell like that's really that's what you do but anyway i hated it the ending everything else great great film (laughs) it is it is (laughs) an awesome like 80 minutes and then it just really crashes and burns but that's uh that's phone booth (laughs) and cocaine bear i guess (laughs) (laughs) Uh, go ahead john Okay, two for one. Um, so this this one's rather rather strange. Um, and 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 kind of personal to me. Um, because I've had a a, a big old uh, change in my life, and um, I am now living alone. And also, I don't have access to Netflix anymore. So, like, when when the show that I always put on was The Office, it was just easy to have in the background. I'd fall asleep to it. Um. But then I started to watch uh, Corner Gas again. Oh, I'm so happy. I don't like it. Is such a wonderful show. 
Uh, it was something I watched as like uh, in my early teens, like pre-teens, early teens. And it's what like, it's the show that got me interested in like watching television and writing television, just like writing in general. Um, it's such a, it's such a perfect little piece of media that exists as its premise is just small town Saskatchewan nothing ever happens and it's these eight characters who are in the entire show i think it's the only canadian sitcom that has like every actor in every single episode um ran for six seasons created by brent butt and those six seasons are so tight because uh season five which is just like some excellent television it's like it's so funny it's just it's it's very tightly paced and it's just it's just so beautiful because nothing happens and so everything it's seinfeld it's it's canadian seinfeld Seinfeld. um but in a way that like like seinfeld i appreciate because it's what everybody kind of goes through where it's like they nail conversations about nothing whereas in corner gas in a in a town where nothing happens everything is so high stakes yeah and it's just it's so it's so fun to watch in that way and season five like they hit their peak and then brent butt was like that's it and you never really see that in television just something come to a close before it overstays its welcome and um it just brought it brought me back to a time when i was far more carefree and just enjoying this for what it was it was like a nice little nostalgic trip for me and i'm still like i'm still going through it i i just built a little lego set while watching some some quarter guys it was like i was just a i was just a small child again and um yeah i love that show i love the characters and also they they play against uh sitcom tropes quite frequently throughout there's only one episode that um actually uh, carries over from a previous plot line and that is the premiere of season two because the the season one finale which is a great episode where they all watch the great cup except nobody gets to the great cup they all lie they about all, going to the great cup yeah because they're they're uh poor pairings just like fucked up and uh brent and Lacey almost kiss because obviously those two leads of the sitcom are like ooh, like will they won't they which you see all the time and then season two tarts where Lacey doesn't want anything to do with Brent and she's about to tell him. And then Brent's like, Lacey, I don't want to, I don't want anything to do with you. And she's like, Oh, why? And everybody's like, Lacey, Brent Brent's is the, so hot. He's the most <laughs> eligible bachelor in, in dog river. Yeah. Oh, it's man. like, have you that seen Hank? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like Brent, but is, is just, he's obviously like, throughout this whole sitcom and just like his personality and his and his comedic style and he's so self-aware throughout all of it um and just that that plot line alone is hilarious but then they just drop it and there's there's nothing to do with any of that romantic tension um have you seen the movie john i have seen the movie where (laughs) at the very end they reveal that they were They've been there. dating for like four years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think. Like, I thought you guys knew. We we go to and movies here... all the time. We go to mo- we go shopping. We go to movies. We thought you guys were just really close. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and here I was, and here is one of a few times you'll hear Liam say something positive about a sitcom. Yeah, I like Corner Gas. For I mean, I did like it growing up with it. I have an yeah. and uh, I was it, and I did actually get to write about it in uh, high school. That's actually great, John. You uh, want to yeah. hear something real funny? Yeah. Every single one of us has talked about Corner Gas on this show. Every single one of us. Yeah. Uh, I love that so much because it's yeah. like it was my favorite sitcom or just television show for a long time. And I I don't think it's perfect by any means. Like it obviously, like any sitcom made in the early two thousands, it shows it shows its age and certain like things they think are 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 funny. Yeah. Um but, but it's, it never so, wait, when it's punching down, it's only ever on Hank. Uh, <laughs> I mean I also don't think it's nearly as obnoxious as most sitcoms are. No, it's true. Like it's, it's I I find it perfectly inoffensive. Yeah. And it's so calming to watch. I'm so glad that everyone has talked about it and and it's now I've I've now made my staple as a um as a permanent permanent host. <laughs> that's it. That, that's all yeah, it took. Yeah, you, had to watch, uh, you had to watch Corner. Again. No, in um in grade 10, I think it was. I had we had to do an assignment where uh I wrote a uh, paper on comparing um differences between a canadian uh, canadian media and um american media and i used uh corner gas versus like uh what is it uh it was i think i used it against seinfeld like mm -hmm. an american produced uh similar show and yep. uh so i got to revisit some of it back then but it's been honestly about 10 years probably since i've actually gone back to corner gas do you have brave toss it on in the background and get some chores done or something my, it's just my favorite episode is when they're trying to decide what statue they want to build and then they end up building the big dirty Krakow. it's just so <laughs> great <laughs> it's so funny it's so fucking funny you're gonna you're gonna I, you're from... gonna tell fitzy's grandma that she's building a big dirty hoe <laughs> <laughs> i for me uh corner guess is one of the first shows that i watched from beginning to end that i watched every episode of uh because like i i didn't i i like my experience with TV before I was like 18, 19 was just episodes would be on TV and I would just watch them. I didn't really have a concept of like, oh, they like they have seasons and they because uh, I grew up in a very small town and we didn't really watch uh, much TV in my house. But like uh, we, we, we would uh, as a family, we would occasionally watch uh, Quarter Gas together. So uh, I was just looking for something to do one night and I'm like, oh, I'll just I'll just, I'll just watch Quarter Gas. Oh, they have I'll start at the beginning. And then I just ended up watching the whole thing. And later on, when I was uh, in in uh, a theater class uh, in my at uh, my university, uh, I met uh, Lauren Cardinal, uh, he, plays uh, he, Davis. Yeah, yeah, he played uh, King King Henry the Fifth in in a in a show at ATP recently. Like, oh, like, really? That's awesome. Yeah, it was. Yeah, like, he's, it was he's so into theater. Like, I love. That. I, I, I love him as Davis, but like uh, that was that was like for him that was very much a day job to support his his theater habit. Hmm. That's cool. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Um. That is uh, the round. To, that's the ingestion. That's the that's the fucking show. Anyway. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Uh. Lucas, do you want to uh, take us out of here? Sure. Uh, if you enjoyed what you heard, please follow us on uh, all the different podcatchers that you listen to. Spotify, iTunes, leave us reviews. Um, we are on, on social media. We are Thunder Lizard OG on Twitter, and we have Thunder Lizard Collective on uh, Instagram, uh, YouTube, and, was there, was there and Facebook. 
and Facebook. There we go. We do use Facebook. Uh, <laughs> sort of. Um, and then uh, you can, if you uh, really enjoyed the show, uh, you can uh, show uh, some support by uh, heading on over to our Patreon and giving us your hard-earned money. Um, that is right. You can go to patreon.com slash thunderlizard. And I would like to thank our patrons. I'd like to thank Kate, Tanya, Manos, Owen, and Scott. Thank you so much for your continued support. I do have one more thing i got to throw in here. We do have a Redbubble store. If you happen to like uh, our crap, um, look, you can get a Steven Seagull sticker. Look, <laughs> you can get a Thunder Lizard sticker. And I have oh, designs shit. that Christian has yet to put on via store. That's right. We have a bunch of other stuff that we can put up. I also on have. And I can flash the camera. I got my. We got shirts. Shirt on. We got yeah. shirts. And the fun thing about Redbubble is, if you don't want it on a shirt, you can get it on a sweater. You can get it on literally anything. A you hat. Want. You can get it on anything. Anyway, so yeah, I'm gonna put the link for the that down in the description down below, so you can go to our Redbubble there. And that is it. Anyway, this has been the Thundercast for this week. My name is Christian. My name is Lucas. My name is John. And I'm Liam. See ya.